guys, welcome to Valid Thoughts, the podcast where we talk to friends and family about the concept of homeland, language, and belonging. Enjoy today's conversation and remember our thoughts are valid. I'm super excited to have this conversation today. I think that's always the sentence I start the conversation with. Yeah. And Abby, our producer, yeah. she always cuts it out. <laughs> <laughs> she said, this girl is coming in. <laughs> Why? She's excited. She's always excited. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, today's conversation, you're actually the first person I'm speaking to that was born in Germany. Oh, yes, yeah. I've noticed, yeah. actually. Yeah. Okay, so just introduce yourself. Um, yes, my name is Jacqueline Nsia. I was um, born and raised in Mönchengladbach, a small town in northern Westphalia, near Düsseldorf. Um, my parents are from Ghana. And, um, yeah, been living now back in Germany for the past two years now. I'm in Berlin. Um, I work for the Goethe Institute as a project manager and also I'm also a curator for the section forum of the Berlin Film Festival. Okay. Do you see yourself as Ghanaian? Do you identify as um do you say like I'm Ghanaian to people when when you introduce yourself? <laughs> uh that's an interesting question. I see myself as Ghanaian for sure. Yeah. Actually before I see myself as German yeah. or anything remotely, but um, I have different answers for different people. Okay. So when I speak to black people of my community and stuff, I refer myself, I refer to myself as Ghanaian. Mm-hmm. When I speak to Germans in Germany, I tend to say that I'm German because a lot of the times they don't expect me to say it. You know, okay. Because there, mm-hmm. there's always then the question, oh, but where do you really come from? Because they they ask me this, not wanting to hear that yeah, I'm German. Yeah, so. Yeah. I always make sure that they yeah. know that I am German. Yeah. You know? Have you always felt this way? Have you ever always felt like you were sure about the answer that you want to give to certain kind of people? Mm. When you think about growing up in Mönchengladbach, how was it? Yeah. Um, that's a very good question. No, it's not something that I've always... Like, it, it came... As I grew older, to be mm. honest, and when I noticed how people reacted towards me. But to be honest, there's also a little bit of a twist. Growing up, when I was yeah. born in here, uh, I had a Ghanaian passport. Mm-hmm. So I only became a German national at the age of 19 after my father decided to accept um, German, the ah, German nationality. Okay, okay. So I, because of that, I always felt... Yeah, not really part of the society Society, because, you know, then like in my Ghanaian passport, I didn't have like permanent residency. So I had to Mm. go to the Ausländeramt, like the German, like how do you say the foreign, um, how do you say Ausländeramt in English? I'm not even sure. I know in, um, when you go to the embassy in Nigeria, they call it the alien authority. Oh, wow. Which is very alien. Yeah. I mean, in the UK, they call it the home office. Home office, yeah. 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 So, yeah, as a teenager, or as a, yeah, as a teenager, I, I remember that sometimes I would have to be, excuse myself from school to mm-hmm. go to the home office. I'll stand up to stand in line with refugees yeah. and, you know, all different kind of foreign groups yeah. in line 
waiting to, for my for my visa stamp, yeah. which was ridiculous because I was born and raised in this country and I didn't know yeah. like any other place. Like, but that made me somehow feel very connected to my to my Ghanaian roots, I suppose. Okay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, then the question when. When did I start really formulating that question? So I would say it like that really came after, after like maybe like early 20s, mm. you know, after I had my German passport and just gaining more experience and also being more aware of um, racism and racial profiling. Yeah. You know, I've traveled a lot from a young age. I used to travel a lot and, you know, always also noticing at the um at the border control at the airport when the german police like you know like we all all germans would stand in line yeah. they would just wave them through wave them through the minute i come they look at me check my picture look at me again and they'd be like oh good morning wanting to hear yeah. whether i actually speak the language yeah. and with accent free and so it, it kind of, like I kind of build a resistance then, and that's yeah. kind of it came it came yeah. about. So yeah. I'd say like yeah, early twenties. Mm. Yeah, and 20s. how was it growing up in the eighties in Mönchengladbach? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, in hindsight, mm. now with a mature mind, yeah. I'm very grateful for that experience. You mm. know, like because it made me who I am today yeah. now, and I feel like I'm. I've become a very resilient person also because of that. But I also had a very beautiful childhood, you know, because yeah. I grew up, yeah, Mönchengladbach is the city, but actually from I'm from a village called um, Odenkirchen. So mm. it's like like a suburbia of Mönchengladbach. Yeah. So it's like tiny place. I can't even say how many inhabitants, but very yeah. few. It's a Gemeinde even. Mm. It's not even a oh, village. Wow. Okay. It's tiny. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and growing up, um, there were... Like in that particular place, Odenkirchen, there were no foreigners. Like it was literally my family mm. and then a Nigerian family. And that's it. Literally. Yeah. There were no Turks even. Polish people came afterwards after reunification. You know, we had some Polish mm. and Russian people coming in. Like, you know, but they are white. So, you know, yeah. it's also yeah. they have a different experience. But yeah, literally that, that was it. Um but yeah, I mean, I would say overall it was a good childhood, you know, people were, the people that were, who were friendly and welcoming were really welcoming mm. and friendly, you know, mm. so that was really nice, like, um, yeah, people, obviously everyone knew us because, mm. I mean, for obvious reasons, you know, because of, because of the color of our skin, but also because my, my parents, particularly my dad was very active in, in the community, you mm. know, lived there for many years um like before i was born even and he did his um, ausbildung there like his traineeship as a you know a, a technician and he worked in like a local um like a family company there so he was very well known and he was jovial and very friendly so people always you know gravitated somehow towards us so I would say, yeah, it was a very protected and a beautiful childhood, like in, you know, lots of nature, surrounded mm. by nature, forests and stuff. Um, obviously, sometimes you would have like the odd experience, but generally speaking, I would say we had, uh, I had a very good childhood. Um, yeah. Do you know why your parents moved to Germany and why, how they ended up in that place? Mm. <laughs> That's a, uh, yeah, um... 
more or less. So it was my dad. My dad moved to Germany before. He moved to Germany in 1917. Um, gosh, it's a bit of a story, huh? <laughs> so he, he was... How old was my dad when he moved to Germany? I think he was 24. He came... but He was a police officer in, in Ghana. Mm. And he... Um, within the police force, people knew that he was always really interested in technical stuff. Even like when they would want him, like want things to be repaired, they would always bring my in my father to do stuff. So they knew that about him. And my dad was also part of the, um, well, the police force also had a football team. So he was also like been playing football since he was very young. So anyway, fast forward, I, th I don't know whether it was 1970 exactly or like a few years before that I never verified with him. But basically there was some kind of bilateral thing going on between the police force in the town mm -hmm. yeah no but i'm not sure whether it was mentioned Gladbach necessarily yeah, but like the, yeah you know yeah. but somewhere in northern Westphalia for sure so yeah so they got an invitation to um to come to germany the police force mm -hmm. to play football against the other police force <laughs> here in germany so that's how we came about they had a football match and or like a tournament and yeah, and I think he, he liked it here yeah. and yeah, and saw the opportunity because at that time, you know, it wasn't so advanced, like yeah. technical stuff in, in Ghana. So yeah, sought the opportunity and came back and <laughs> never left basically. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Interesting. And then your mom came later. My mom came later. Yeah. My dad went back on holiday, but like, yeah, so they're from Kumasi and they were, so my dad's brother my uncle basically went to school with my mom. Okay. So their families kind of knew each other. Yeah. And then my dad went back in 1976, met or re-met my mom. I can't ah, really figure okay. it out. And then, yeah, brought her over in 1980. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, I mean, so you grew up in... How long did you live in that small town for before you left? Well... Until I left Germany, so that was up until the age of twenty one. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you went to university. Where did you go? Where did you do your bachelor's? I did my bachelor's in London at SOAS. Okay. So okay, at twenty one, then you left for London. Yeah. And how did that decision come about? I mean, and then also going to SOAS, like, was it because I don't know, like, was there the internet then already where you could find out like what was happening there, mm. or how did you know like I had to go into the world? Yeah. That's, uh, oh, wow. Oh, you're making me think. <laughs> Seriously, it's like, wow, okay. Uh, gosh, it's such a long time ago. Um, okay, so the internet, of course, wasn't... Oh, I'm not even sure when I, I learned about internet and stuff. I mean, of course, we were already, like, digital, yeah. but it wasn't, like, like now, now, you yeah. know? Um, well, we had relatives in London. Okay. So I would... I think the first time I went to London was at the age of eight and then every other holiday yeah. I would go, you know, to visit relatives. So, yeah, and I liked it, to be honest. I really liked the vibrancy and, like, the, obviously, also the diversity. And then, um, yeah, so one trip, yeah, about the late 90s. So I decided to go again to visit family and, yeah... It was, you know, shortly before I, I knew that I was going to do my abitur and stuff. So, yeah, just started to explore. Obviously, I had cousins at university and they kind of said to me, oh, why don't you explore the idea, idea of studying here? And I was like, wow, yeah, that's a good idea. How do I do this? Yeah. 
And yeah, they told me about this university application system called UCAS. It's mm -hmm. like, a, you know, where you can apply, like it's one system, but where you can apply to multiple universities at the same time. Yeah, yeah so I went to the UCAS office and got information on, you know, how to apply and stuff. And that's through a, a visit, yeah. yeah. And then I came back to Germany and I shared that idea with my parents and particularly my dad and My dad was like, okay, if that's your plan, then you you need to have um, a German passport because with a Ghanaian passport, you're going to play yeah, foreign. Money. Yeah. So that's how he, because he also was always hesitant to accept German citizenship <laughs> because he's okay. a very proud Ghanaian. Okay. But then he decided to do that. So then I could apply for that. So and then, well. yeah, and that's how it came about. And then, yeah, why SOAS? Um, I mean, I feel like SOAS is a very strong yeah it is it is super <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah you, you go there with a, with an agenda like you, yeah. you know for yeah. something specific yeah. yeah um yeah somehow in my teenage years i i was reading more and more about like you know you know our cult my culture ghanaian heritage and how, how i i knew so little about myself mm. you know And I, that somehow bothered me because, yeah. you know, I felt like I obviously didn't belong to, like, Germany because, you know, I yeah. look different and, like, it's like, a, you know, like how when you have ger white German friends, they can tell you about their lineage, you know, their Großvater, their grand great grandparents did this. And, like, yeah. I didn't have this family tree that they yeah. had. And I felt somehow just, like, not rooted. Yeah. So that's kind of pushed me into the other direction and I wanted to know more about, you know, African history. I was really interested always in history, not just African, but obviously that came along, you know, somehow. Yeah, and then also through my dad, or him always t talking about, like, you know, the independence movement, Kwame Nkrumah, he was a super Nkrumahist, yeah. you know. So, yeah, him talking about that is like, wow, man, fascinating. Like, I need to know more. So, yeah, and then when I knew that I was going to London, I was looking at different courses and stuff, and then I came across SOAS, and I was like, wow, this exists? Like yeah. a university, like, focused on African studies and Asian and Middle Eastern, and also having professors from that region. I thought, wow, mind-blowing. Yeah. I knew that I need to go there, like, literally. So, yeah. yeah. Do you feel like, so when you were at the university there, Was it like, how, or how did you have to learn about your identity again? Was it different from what you had kind of been reading and learning about before, especially being in that space where you have like a lot of like-minded people you mm. know, coming out of Munson Gladbach and being in London and so on. Like, how, 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 how did you experience the shift? Wow. Mm. Well... <laughs> The thing is, okay, so, yeah, I'd have to jump because, like, when I went to London the first time, so I applied for SOAS the first time around and I didn't get accepted. Okay. My application was declined 2002, but I decided to still go to London and I went for my second choice, which was Middlesex University. Mm. Um, but after a year, I knew that, no, I mean, yeah, I just felt like, no, it has to be SOAS. So yeah. I dropped out and um, worked also learned the language a bit more because, you know, obviously I spoke English, but it's different being yeah. in England and like, yeah. you know, the different accents and like the terminologies and stuff. So yeah, I worked for two years. And then during that time also, I met 
somehow life has a funny way of bringing you to the right people you know I obviously like a lot of friends that I met during my time whilst I was working and stuff black friends were either at SOAS or going to SOAS okay. so we had a lot of conversations on that and then also being in London you know like I mean all the different museums that you could visit I feel like my consciousness was already opening up mm. more you know and also being in close contact with more more people from Ghanaian heritage or Nigerian and South African Kenyan you know also from the Caribbean and like having these conversations with them even though they might have been not on an academic level but still you you know you get an idea a sense you know and just walking through the streets of London actually Brixton I lived in Brixton for many years you know and going through the places and like you know you you really get a sense of what it means to be African and Yeah, and like spending a lot of time at the Black Cultural Archives and stuff, which is also in Brixton. So yeah, so then when I applied for the second time round at SOAS, but that time I was already in London for three years, I was able to express myself better. And like I was also able to make my application more um, precise, you know. And yeah, so the second time round it worked out for me. So then when I entered university, it wasn't so much of a shock because... I was somehow already part of the London, London, London life, London yeah. society, and also like knowing more about, um, yeah, about like different African heritages mm-hmm. that exist, that being it in the continent or in the diaspora. But still, though, it was a beautiful. So as I say it till date, and this is, I mean, I left So as how many years ago? Fifteen years ago now. Oh whatever, how many years, it was still the best experience of my life. Honestly speaking, like, it just opened up my mind so much because, yeah, just learning about, um, yeah, the different African languages and also understanding that there's also complexity in it, you know, because, like, when you're here, you'd think, like, yeah, we are somehow, you know, little people with little knowledge and everything we do is somehow... Yeah, like there's not a lot of thought to it, but then you obviously all of a sudden you enter university space and they tell you how they're all this different language grouping and how they also relate to each other and how it dates back to pre-colonial times because a lot of the times I got the sense that our history somehow started with the entrance of the white man, you know? So that was fascinating, you know, and learning about all these different like empires and kingdoms and learning about Timbuktu, like, I like, and, but like really on an academic and intellectual level, uh, that it was fabulous. And like also seeing, and then obviously being in small groups, we had like very vibrant discussions because it's so us, they, that was their thing. There were never more than 16 people in the class. Okay. So it was a very intense um, learning experience, you know. And then, of course, having professors like, Dr. Akin Oyetade, Nigerian, like teaching us, and he was from Nigeria, not so much, like literally, you know, and like that, that, like he could, yeah, it, it was just different, you know, seeing somebody who looks like you teaching. Yeah, I, I don't know how it's, I think this you would probably only understand if you're a black person or somebody of like. BPOC person born in a white country. I mean, yeah. for you, it's probably you wouldn't even see it as such a big thing because you, you know, you're born and 
you know, lived in Nigeria up until yeah. the age of 12. But for me, it was just like, wow, you know, it was just so reassuring, you know, and like having, and it wasn't just him. Like we had several professors to, from Ghana, Kenya, South Africa, you know, and that was really, really good. And just also knowing that they have academic publications that they yeah. bring out and that you could be involved. And I was very involved in SOAS life. Like I was a student representative for two years very much because I, I just thrived in that, you know, and was, yeah, it was really healthy for me, honestly. And I, I did also really well. I had good grades and stuff because, yeah, I was just so motivated. Yeah. 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 Did that make your decision to move back um, easy? Because right after that, you moved back to, you moved to Ghana mm -hmm. for some time. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was, for me, it was the natural step natural thing to do you know because i studied politics and african studies so it's like yeah, yeah the next step would yeah when, so studying politics do they focus on african politics no it was actually a joint degree so it was politics and then you had african studies and you know and when politics like it was different kind of okay. modules you know okay. yeah okay so and then uh, when you were younger did you guys used to travel to ghana regularly um yeah and regularly i wouldn't say because it was also very expensive yeah. at that time there weren't many airlines going you know and we were a big family you know we were yeah. a family of six five six my brother came later but yeah you know <laughs> so but we did go my my parents tried honestly if i compare myself to other Ghanaian firms they definitely tried so the first time that i went to ghana was i think 84 i was three and i remember it's funny enough although i was young i really have memories of that trip you know mm. so yeah and then i went again 91 97 and then from 97 because i was 16 i was yeah. like mm. so i felt it you know like i had you know that time i think i spent six weeks like my whole summer vacation yeah. there and yeah i had so much fun and i yeah. met so many people so, and then I went every year. I, I started to work part-time yeah. and just saved up my money yeah. so I could go to Ghana. So I went 97, 98, 99, 2000. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So when, when you made the move to go back home, it was like, okay, that's the next right step yeah. to do. Yeah, and I already had like a, you know, a community so, of yeah, friends, yeah, yeah. which was good. And yeah. I was able to, I was already like reconnecting, mm. or reconnected with some of my relatives. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Did you feel like you, you were moving back home? Was that the feeling you had? Or was it like, okay, this is one place where I'm going to explore? Mm. Good question. Hmm. No, I, it wasn't like moving home. It was literally like, like moving to the place of where my parents are from. Okay. I'll, I would have to, yeah. It wasn't the feeling of home yet, to be, yeah, if I'm being honest, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so I moved in 2009 and I lived there for a year. Okay, what were you doing? What were you exploring? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out my life, to be honest. You know, I had just finished my bachelor's degree. I knew that, you know, London was not the place because I had lived at that point in London for seven years. And I was like, mm, you know. I didn't know what I was doing, so I was trying to figure out myself, you know, but I knew that I wanted to go in the direction of film because um, at SOAS I pretty much focused on African cinema in my final year and um, luckily, I was lucky that one of my professors um, 
was the founder of the Cambridge African Film Festival. So I started off there and I finished it before I um, moved to Ghana. So I knew that I wanted to work in, you know, art, film. And yeah, that time, 2009 was a really good year in Ghana. To be honest, it was, you know, the currency was so strong. It was one on, like one to one with the US dollar. Oh, wow. Um... Democracy was in place for like, I think, eight years. We had um, change of government from Rawlings to ah, Jay Kufour, who was like, you know, the first leader after like 19 years of Rawlings. So, yeah, okay. you know, military rule somehow yeah. and then like having that democracy. So there was really like a vibrancy to it, you know, the, you know. So, yeah. So it was a good time. There was a lot of investment. And some some people from SOAS that I knew had also yeah. moved to Ghana. So yeah, there were there were loads of jobs around. So I was really lucky. I was able to like try out everything. And I literally did. Like <laughs> I yeah, had so many jobs in one year. It's insane, yeah. honestly. I worked for several film festivals, like the Environmental Film Festival Accra. And because, you know, there weren't because they also just started off, like I was able to like literally explore all the different positions and they gave me a lot of free hand and you know, I was, yeah, I was able to learn yeah. a lot. Yeah, and then I worked, I did voiceovers for documentary films. Oh, wow. um, yeah, gosh, I organized then, uh, well, I was part of the organizers for an academic conference for ASWAT, the Association of the World of African Diaspora. So they had a meeting. They always meet every two years in a different part of the African, in Africa and the African diaspora. And this time around it was in Ghana. And I was very lucky to work with uh, Abna Buzia. Like she's, I don't know whether you know her. She's um, the daughter of the second president of Ghana, like after Nkrumah, um, P.A. Buzia. Okay. So the daughter. Yeah, and yeah. her sister is actually a famous actress. Akfus Buzia, she was in purple. Anyway, going off tangents, but yeah, like, you know, very like prolific woman and she's a writer and I read, you know, some of her books during my African literature classes at SOAS and um, yes, yeah, so I was so happy and fortunate to work with her and yeah, so I did a lot of things, literally and all in film and art and um, yeah, so I had a really great time. And then, I mean, why did you come back? <laughs> good yeah well I was still young you know I was young and I, I just left university and I felt like I wanted to still explore yeah the world you know uh yeah and Brazil was always Brazil uh, after Ghana that year I decided to move to Brazil and yeah Brazil was always a place I wanted to explore more I had been to Brazil twice before like 2005 and 2007 and yeah and I just felt like this could be my opportunity and whilst in Ghana and whilst working for that academic conference there was a delegation from Brazil mm. um yeah and uh, met this professor from the university in uh, Rio de Janeiro who was also like you know, writing an academic book about the black presence in Latin America and, yeah, and just talk to him about, you know, possibly coming to Brazil and doing a master's and, yeah, so we just got talking a certain... And then I met the Brazilian ambassador in Ghana and he was like, oh, you could apply for funding. It's like, well, you know, oh, so wow. one thing led to the other. Yeah. I was like, okay, let me just do that because if I don't do, go now, I'll never yeah. go, you yeah. know? Yeah. And then you explore in Brazil. Yeah. How was that? How long were you there for? I was there for two years. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. Do you speak Portuguese? I do. Oh. Yeah. Do you now I do. That? Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, I did. I definitely learned it there. I mean, I had. A, I took a course whilst I was um, at SOAS, not at SOAS, but at King's College, mm. in Portuguese. I knew like the grammar, mm-hmm. but I didn't speak it. You know, I was a bit shy about speaking. Yeah, but like literally within three months, I spoke the language okay. after three months of moving because. Yeah, Brazilians don't speak any other language, you know, so, and they're very talkative, you know, mm. like, like they will see, they will sit next to you on a bus, they know you're not, they start chatting. And even if you tell them you don't understand, they will still talk, you know, so it's like, you get to learn the language yeah. very quickly, so, okay. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then also, you did Brazil. So Ghana, Brazil, and then where, where did the where did your exploration take you after that? <laughs> yes, yeah, so after two years of Brazil, I decided to because in the end I didn't complete the masters there because of other. Issues. Okay, you were doing. You started your masters. I in started Brazil. my masters in Brazil, but after like one for the first semester, I decided to drop off because it felt really uncomfortable. I finally understood, also began to understood that this whole. Brazilian nation, how they like to, well, now it's all falling apart. But back then, you mm-hmm. know, they pride themselves as, oh, everyone could be Brazilian, white, black, Chinese, because, okay. you know, everyone, you okay. know, because they have all yeah. races somehow yeah. in, in Brazil. But yeah, I also began to realize how racist it is, especially for black people, you know, yeah. black people have it really hard in Brazil, especially like in the, also in, in academia, you know. So I was the only black person in the whole master's program, which was ridiculous because if you think about it, more than 70% of the population in Brazil is black. Black, yeah. So how come, you know? And I felt like I was taking actually the spot. Yeah. So it just didn't feel right. And what were you studying? Anthropology. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 The course wasn't also all that, but like the main reason was literally that. So, Yeah. yeah. Because I wanted to have that experience of, studying in the global south you know because yeah. i was educated in the west all my life and and i felt like okay this could be it but then it felt almost like the same because you know it's yeah. so hegemonic yeah. So it's like, no. yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah yeah so after brazil I came so i decided to come back to to center myself i guess i always do that <laughs> yeah. so i came back after 12 years or wow. 10 came back to Germany, mm. uh, came to Berlin to do my master's here at uh, FU, Freie Universität, yeah. yeah. And then you were back basically like where you didn't want to be at first. <laughs> yes, but I came with an agenda, you know, yeah. I really wanted to do get my master's. Yeah. But yeah, unfortunately back in, in, in the West, but yeah. yeah, I get, yeah. How did it feel? Because I mean, I'm... I'm I mean, especially for the time when I lived in Lagos, you know, I'd come back here. And even now, I don't feel like I'm at home. Mm. I don't either. Yeah. I don't. I, don't get me wrong, I don't feel uncomfortable here. Yeah, yeah. I feel actually very comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, I have a very comfortable life here. But it's not home. It's not where my heart is, yeah. you know. And I also know that I'm not going to stay here. Like, mm. it's, Yeah. I'm taking this place as it is, like for the advantages that one can have, yeah. you know, and just do that. But like eventually, like my my aim is still to be back home. See, now it's home, <laughs> and you know, create that institution that I would like to create. And which is 
I really want to have my own art space and okay. a cinema space yeah. where I can curate, you know, the films, the all the amazing African films that people on the continent have never seen, which is also crazy that people in the West consume, yeah. but people on the continent have no idea that they exist. And just have that space, you know, to, to curate that and also without having the pressure of money because by then I have saved enough money. So yeah. that, uh, it's just a, literally a, a heart project, you yeah. know, that I can screen the films, get people to watch them, have discussions, invite the directors of these films to have like interactive discussions and masterclasses and maybe even invite film students to watch these films, you know, just have like this really interactive space. And yeah. I, I want this to be my contribution to, so, to the continent, yeah, like, yeah. or to Ghana, yeah. you know. You mentioned earlier that you're part of like the Berlinale team yeah. that does this, uh, you're a curator for one of the, basically, I mean, the Berlinale is like a film festival that mm-hmm. happens every year in Berlin. Yeah. And they show films from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And um, you said like you're part of the, What's the forum team, yeah? Mm-hmm. And how how is the experience there? I I want to imagine it's a predominantly white male space. No, not male, to be honest. I mean, forum, I have to say, uh, it's very balanced. Like, so I'm part of the selection committee. Um, so the head of forum is Christina Nord. Um, and then we have four curators, you know, um, two women like you know myself and then Anna and then Joan and James like so we are yeah I think it's very balanced in terms of that definitely but yeah it's uh, I mean it's very white yeah Mm. um yeah very white (laughs) and then also like just looking at the entire festival like because Berlinale has so many different sections yeah and it's the people at the forefront, like I'm being t- I'm talking about decision makers, like selecting films. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. And I mean, I guess that's also how then, I mean, if you have the majority of them being like that, that's how the movies are going to be. I mean, it's just like based on the way they think and the way what they know, that's how the selection of the movies are going to be in some kind of way. So, I mean, you say like if you have a diverse group, there's some things that maybe one person wouldn't notice, but another person would notice because they are kind of preconditioned a different way. Mm. So how do you so and how so how do you navigate that space mm-hmm. for yourself and for basically you and you say like in your team basically the only black person yeah. on your team. I mean, it's like literally you carrying the whole of the black community on your shoulders and mm-hmm. kind of trying to represent. You know, when it comes to picking the films, you yeah. Know? Yeah. Oof, yeah. I mean, the thing is, okay. So, but I have to also maybe also explain that we have a pre-selection team as well. Okay. There are loads of people involved, yeah. you know, and um, there we ha- we have also. <laughs> well, now like one has left now, so there's one other black person. Mm. But yeah, um, in terms of yeah. Let me put it that way. It's not so diverse, like yeah. in terms of like blackness per se. Yeah. But you, you know, we have, yeah, some you know, other people of color certainly yeah. also there. Um, and then in terms of the selection of the films, yes, it's it's. Hmm, I don't know how to put it. I have to say though, my team is really good. Like they, 
are very much aware and I'm also free to express these things. So yeah. that I'm very fortunate in that respect. You know, we talk about these things openly, you know, representation and the importance of representation. At the same time, though, I have to also say that um, Forum as a, as a section also has like, you know, a very cinephile audience. Okay. So there's like a particular kind of film that we select and... At the moment, like it's not very often that we come across films that kind of meet those requirements. Uh, I, I think I don't know what the I mean. What's the meaning of the forum? What like what kind of films can I imagine? Because for me, it sounds a bit like the department at the Grammys. I think it's the Grammys where they say. Okay, the American music and everything else, world music. Mm. You know, yeah. for me it sounds a bit like that, but I I might be wrong as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. uh, no, I mean the thing is, forum it, it actually is, it, it like doesn't select based on that country or region. It's okay. literally the type of film. Okay. You know? So in that respect, it's very open. Mm. You know. Like last year, for instance, for this last edition, we were really struggling to find German films, for instance. Okay. That kind of, you know? Yeah. So it literally, it's it's not based on region, yeah. but it's a particular kind of film. But it's also difficult to s- describe a foreign film. Like, okay. But it's basically a film that doesn't go by the traditional ways of storytelling, you know? Ah, a bit more cinephile, like, you know... Uh, intricate storytelling you know yeah okay and not necessarily too art house but like just different kind of narrative you know so that's that's a forum film Mm. yeah so i would say yeah it's open like it's definitely open as a as a section to receive any kind of film but then it's difficult to find films from the continent that meet those, those, those criteria. Criteria. Yeah. Doesn't mean that they don't exist. Yeah. No, it doesn't mean that they're not they don't exist. It's also difficult because, you know, by the time Berlinale comes, Berlinale is in February, a lot of other festivals have happened already, you know? Okay. So a lot of the films get um and we want um world premiere or European ah, okay. premiere okay. status. Yeah. So um that's basically the thing. So in terms of, yeah, so I'm trying, really trying. I mean, this is, um, yeah, it's, it's an ongoing dialogue also within myself. Like, how do we bring these films, like, to also to a wider audience and stuff, mm. even within here. But as I said, like, um, yeah, they're too, it's twofold, you know. It's also like the problem that a lot of the films that could, that we could screen sometimes end up at other festivals as well, you okay. know. But we're trying. Like yeah. this year we had a really beautiful film from Nigeria. Oh, okay. What's the, it called? A Oh, I haven't heard of it. By uh, twin brothers. They're called Ari and Chuku Esiri. Okay. Beautiful film, honestly, like... Yeah, very beautifully told as well, and the aesthetics of it was just fantastic. Like, oh, nice. yeah, yeah. So there are films that you see and you're like, this is it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely, yeah. 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 And I mean, so you having this kind of background, how do you feel like with like a film like Beyonce's Black is King? 
<laughs> I can't comment on it because I haven't seen yeah, it yet. Seen it. But like from what you've heard. But um, a lot of my friends, like a lot of people that I know have worked on it. Mm-hmm. A good friend of mine uh, was one of the good directors. Mm-hmm. Um, Blitz um, Bazawule. Or Blitz the Ambassador, as a lot of people might know him because yeah. he's also a musician. Um... And I think the visuals he created is incredible, like yeah. for the film. Okay, so the whole debate. I mean, what I have to say that what I can say because I haven't seen it, but I, I hear, you know, uh, some criticism about Beyonce kind of portraying Africa, you know, having like this. What 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 is the, what is it that I read the other day that Beyonce is kind of portraying Africa in a very. Um, utopian kind of way and not the way it is or should you know and all of this and to me i think it's it doesn't it's it actually it's a nonsense um debate to be honest to me because it's a film you know Mm -hmm. she didn't say she's uh, giving a history on africa yeah for the audience no she said she's celebrating blackness and that's what she's doing you know and it's a film and in a film medium you 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 can use your imagination and can portray it however you want to you know and i think that's what exactly what she did you know and i i respect her for that i'm not her biggest fan to be honest um music is not necessarily my thing but i definitely respect her as an artist she's a very hard-working artist and she's extremely talented. One can't take that away from her. And I actually love the fact that she really, really tried hard to bring in a lot of people from the continent. Mm-hmm. She's, I mean, she really literally opened up so many careers now yeah. just by doing this, you yeah. know. And yeah, I mean, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity for some of the people on, on the cast, on the set. Yeah. So yeah, I salute her for that. And you know, actually, it sometimes it also literally annoys me a little bit that black people are not so united, you know? Why do we need to have that conversation also out in the public, you know? Why do we need to now write papers or, you know, have these back-and-forth conversations on on social media platforms, you know? But, I mean, at the same time, like, black people not being united, it's, I always feel like you can't actually expect this from black people to be united because we're not all the same no of course i don't even mean it in that sense of course we don't we have different experiences and stuff like that but i feel like i don't know we we we're so quick to like we we just yes and that kind of annoys me why can't we just take it for what it is you know she's not i mean as i said like if that's like that's what a lot of the criticism that i heard and i was like what it's a film that allows sex. We don't even have to love the film. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We can dislike true. it even, yeah. you know? But it's okay that it exists. It's fine. You know, even within, like, I don't know, Western um, cinema, like, you have, like, soap operas. You have, you know, like, genre movies. You have, you know, your chick flick. You have your art house. And, like, there's diversity and it's fine. We don't have to love it all, but they exist, you know? So... I think even in portraying the continent or like having that topic of Africa, what is Africa, what is chieftaincy or kingdom and queendom, we can use that narrative and make it whatever. I mean, that's the beauty of film, I think, you know, and I think I actually think that's 
beautiful, you know, and we should just take it for what it is and not make it bigger necessarily yeah, also now. Yeah. yeah, good that we are there. we're both on the same page. <laughs> 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 um, so after your master's, I'm just gonna go back there. After your master's in Berlin, you made the move to Ghana again? Yeah, yeah. It was actually during my master's. Okay, during your master's? Okay. Yeah, because I my focus on my master's thesis was talking about the Ghanaian diaspora, second generation, my generation, who were returning because... Around that time, a lot of people were going back a lot, you know, and like the Ghanaian government was also heavily investing in mm. the diaspora still to date. Yeah. Actually, they actually have within the government, they have one unit called the diaspora support unit that literally focuses on the diaspora out doing outreach. You know, sometimes they, I think once a year they used to come here and even go to hotspots where Ghanaians are like. Hamburg, Düsseldorf, and okay. talk to them. And, and talk to them about moving back? Yes, and investing. Back mm -hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so yeah, I decided that, okay, my topic, that would be my master's topic. And I decided that, because I'd gone back to Ghana that Christmas of 2013, after not having been there in like four or five years, four and a half years, and it just, oof, grab my spirit it's like no i need to be back here and then within four months i literally moved back i okay. you know made it fit my master's project and yeah. took myself also as a subject yeah. and wrote about that process of moving also within my own oh that's interesting experience yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so that's, that's did it feel different the second time yeah definitely 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 i felt like it i felt like going home literally mm. and that's because by that time i knew even more people you know and i had more of a relationship with them because so many years had passed and we still kept in contact and then loads more from the diaspora that i knew from back in the days have now moved as well yeah. you know so it definitely felt like moving home like yeah it felt like i was going to stay <laughs> for sure you know yeah. and if it hadn't been for certain circumstances, I probably would have stayed as well. The certain circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Inquisitive. <laughs> well, we like to hear the gist of this. <laughs> well, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but but basically, I felt pregnant. Mm. And uh, yeah, I felt pregnant, and I came back to Germany for the preg like to for to, to have the baby. Yeah. Because I felt like I wanted to be with my family. Yeah. And in an environment that I'm more used to to have the baby rather than being in Ghana by myself and stuff. So yeah, I went back to have the baby, but then I decided to move back with my daughter. Oh, yeah, so wow. at three months we went back to Ghana. But yeah, you know, the situation with her father didn't work out and and then I was faced with a decision, do I want to be a single parent in Ghana right now? You know, not also having like an income, oh, yeah. literally, you know. And that's the problem with being in Ghana, like somehow, yeah. you know, because the social network or social security is not there. Yeah. You, know, it's, you don't have such a great safety net as you do yeah. here in Germany. So, yeah, one thing led to the other and decided, no, I think it's best. And also, I'm missing my family. I wanted that support also from my mom. 
particularly, but also my dad at the time when he was still around. So yeah, that's why I, I literally moved. moved it was a, yeah, it was a tough decision, decision because I was starting all over, like literally from zero. I had no place to stay. I had no job. I was back in that village. Can you imagine <laughs> after, I don't know how many years, uh, it was tough. It was really tough, but I don't regret it. Mm, I get it though. I get it. Yeah. And um, for your daughter, do you, I mean, how old was she when you guys now came back? We, eight months. Eight so months, we stayed okay, for five months. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Because I was trying to imagine if she would have been like a little bit older, if she kind of feels like the, okay, I'm not somewhere else. Because um, I have a friend, she gave birth in the US. Mm-hmm. And when they finally came back to Nigeria, and I think like the first time when they took the electricity, the daughter was like, Oh, what's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> I can't you know, see that. She's like, she's like crying, you know, like, yeah. what's, what's going on? Why is it so dark in here? And I wonder like, what experience it was like for her. And I think, I mean, kids, I feel like they feel it in some kind of way. Yeah, no, they you know? do. I think yeah. with her, though, she was still so very small, little, yeah, you yeah. know. But luckily, I have many pictures and videos, so one day I can show her. Yeah. But I hope by the time, I mean, my, my wish, my deep wish is it for her to go to school on the continent. Okay. It doesn't have to be Ghana, somewhere in Africa. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think that's very important for me. I really think it's important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like with her growing up here, there are already like some kind of, cha- I mean, apart from the fact that maybe, I mean, I don't know if it would be easy for you if you are in Ghana and maybe you'd have like a lot more support around you. Yes. One hundred. Yeah, yeah. Like the challenges of um having a child here, and you know, I mean, your mom also doesn't live close by. Yeah. So it's 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 not so easy. It's not so easy. It's funny, like coming here. I thought it would be easier, like initially, and I think in a way it was. Mm. You know, because she was still so small, and like in terms of financial support, yeah. that was helpful. You know, like being here because I didn't have a job and oh. Basically, I was in maternity, so like I couldn't even work. Yeah. So in that respect, it was better. But um, the kind of support network that you have there is, I mean, it's incredible, you know? Like, I mean, I, funny enough, it was only yesterday I was speaking to a friend of mine in Ghana who I haven't spoken to in a while. You know, yeah. she just had a baby herself five months ago. And she was just like, oh, I'm just finishing my book and I'm doing this project and that project <laughs> and this. I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah, you know, I have uh, an in-house babysitter who's also a nurse. Oh, and, wow. she, you know, she has a cleaner. And, like, she's not uh, she's not a bougie yeah, girl, honestly. Yeah. Like, she's not. And she's not super wealthy either at all. She's, yeah. like, literally maybe a little bit above average. Yeah. But she can ha- afford to have that lifestyle, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, there's always somebody looking after the child. And you can also rest assured that they'll be well looked after, you yeah. know, and they will learn the language and yeah, it, it's worth a lot. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so. And like also with the language, that's something definitely you wish to yeah. for her. Definitely. Well. That's yeah. why like I force my mom whenever she's here to speak to her and she, you yeah. know, so she, so she picks up on the language or, you know, but ideally I really want her to be back at some point yeah. so she really like not at some point like literally in the near future
I was on a panel for Berlinale Forum actually um, this year. We celebrated 50 years of the existence of existence of the Section Forum. Mm. So we did a retrospective program of the films, the first films that show in 1970, 71 was it, 70, 71. And a lot of the films were on anti-apartheid movement, the anti-colonial movement, and also like the civil rights movement. So you had a lot of films on black topics from the African continent and the United States. Yeah, so we had a panel discussing that, you know, like... Um, anti-colonialism and film and like anti like you know civil rights movements on film 50 years on what has changed you know how do we see this? blah 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 very interesting it was a very very beautiful um, panel different people on it including myself it was moderated by the head of um, my sections uh, and she was she did a fabulous job it was great then there was the audience and in the audience were the founders of the Section Forum. Yeah, very interesting, right? It was a couple that founded, the really like, yeah, this elderly German couple that founded the Section and they're obviously retired now, but, you know, still interested and they came. And I thought, oh, nice. So then there was this, uh, the, I don't know, I remember exactly what the question was, but then, um, the couple responded to that question and said something about like, oh, we talked about ownership and films and archives and how a lot of the African archives or archival material are in the West, in Germany yeah. and in, in France and in the UK and what needs to happen because we need our, this is our property, it should be back, it should be in our archives and what needs to be done and how we can achieve that. So then... The, the couple responded and said, oh, yeah, you know, they can remember they once had a conversation with the French cultural attaché of the, some institution that have all the African archives and, you know, and how he was able to pick up the phone and just call them and get the film that he wanted that was in that archive easily and readily and like how he, he had beautiful conversations with them. So I then I said, oh, that's wonderful, you know. And, and he said, oh, he also agreed with us that really this films should be on the continent and, you know, that needs to happen and blah, 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 blah. So I then asked him, I said, wow, that's great that you agree with us. And um, we also all agree on that, that really those films should be in African archives, like in various countries on the African continent. And since you had that close proximity to that... French, French whatever, whatever. <laughs> uh -huh. what did you do to help that process? Because yeah. we don't have that kind of access. I can't call the French yeah. cultural attaché who is the, the head of the archive and ask him to bring back those archives. But you had that access. What did you do? Yeah. Didn't respond because he couldn't respond. Yeah. But that's exactly it. You know, you, you have kind of fake allies, you know, yeah. because if you're really an ally, then you would do something, yeah. you know. Yeah. Something to change it. Yeah. Okay, so where do you see yourself in the next few years and what do you see yourself doing? Mm. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, yeah, I mean, ideally, like if if I could create my my dream, sort of like my, my vision on how things would go, I would definitely be here for another couple of years, 
you know, let my daughter finish nursery, you know, me maybe getting a bit more experience, you know, more contacts. And then like maybe by 2022, I'd be the head of an institution in an African country, you know, like so cool. that would be so cool. And my daughter would go to a fabulous international school, so but nice. still be grounded and rooted yeah. and not kind of like have this, you know, airy fairy life, but still, you know, be like, have that contact to local, yeah. to local people. And yeah, that's what I would wish for and really like change maybe also the narrative and the perception also of that institution on the continent because it's, you know, it's not as great as they think. A lot of people on the continent, especially artists, are frustrated with some yeah. of the, you know, decision-makings on projects and stuff. So I would love to change that, you know, and I think they would see that change with me as well mm. because I'm from there and I'm from yeah, here, you absolutely. know. I'm young, you know. I'm a woman, so hopefully we could, you know, really create some nice yeah. projects that yeah. where the people would be on, of Deutsch we would say Augenhöhe, yeah. you know, on yeah. equal terms. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's been fun, it's been fun. Yes, I enjoyed it as well. <laughs> I was so nervous, but this was cool. It's been fun. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Valid Thoughts. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll tune in next time. Follow us on Twitter at ValidThoughtsCS and on Instagram at ValidThoughts underscore creative. Be the first to know when we drop something new and help us grow as well. I am your host S. Until next time, remember our thoughts are valid. Nice.